Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Tonight we're going to look at the fifth trumpet gone from seven churches to seven seals that a, a scroll was sealed with seven seals. Now those are open and now there are seven trumpets and we're on the fifth trumpet now and we're going to see what happens when the angel blows the fifth trumpet. I wanted to set this up tonight with a quote. Uh, sometimes I do this but not a lot but I, I like this quote from W.A. Criswell. If you're not familiar with Criswell, he was uh, the pastor years ago of First Baptist Dallas, Texas for five decades and he's gone to be with the Lord now but uh, Here's what he wrote. He said, when people persist in iniquity, when people choose to be vile and blasphemous, God lets it continue. If a man chooses the administration of Satan, God lets that man experience what it is to be a servant of the devil. That is what happened here in the book of Revelation. The spirit of iniquity works and it continues, and it goes on, and finally it ends in indescribable torment, hurt, agony, and pain. We can always remember this. The man who lives in sin builds his house by the very pit of hell. He is next door. This that we find under the fifth trumpet is nothing other than an outworking of evil when men choose to be servants of Satan and when they wear the livery of the devil, tormenting judgments inevitably come and inevitably flow. What a quote, huh? And that's where we are in the fifth trumpet. In Revelation 9, I'm going to read the first 12 verses. Uh, the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him, he opened the shaft to the abyss, and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Then locusts came out of the smoke on the earth, and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green plant, or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. We'll stop there for a moment. So it's going to get pretty bad. I mean, notice that these... Um, these scorpions, uh, or these locusts, excuse me, that sting like a scorpion, they're only going to target people who don't know God, those that do not have God's seal on their foreheads. Okay? Again, as I've been saying, and you're going to see this as we go through Revelation, God distinguishes the righteous from the wicked. Okay? And you're seeing it right here. And uh, even, even allowing this to happen, He's still merciful. Why? He draws the line and says, you can't kill them. But they're going to be so miserable 
that it says in those days people will seek death and will not find it. I don't know about you, but that's definitely got to be miserable. Well, as we look at this passage tonight, it leaves a lot to the imagination. And I didn't realize until I studied this that this is perhaps one of the areas. You know, everybody likes to talk about the mark of the beast. What's 666? We'll talk about that when we get to it. But this passage in Revelation is one of those passages that people like to debate. What does it mean? What about this and what about that? And if you're honest, you have to say, there's a lot I don't know. Uh, We'll try to make sure we understand the main thing and we'll all agree that we can all have a creative imagination when it comes to the the details. But I want to make this simple for you tonight. I want to look at four things that we need to understand when we look at the events of the fifth trumpet. Uh, Number one is the identity of the star and then we'll look at the type of plague and then the characteristics of the locust and number four will be the nature of their king but let's look at the identity of the star let's read it again the first two verses the fifth angel blew his trumpet and i saw a star and what does it say about that star it's a star that had fallen from heaven to earth and the key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him and he opened the shaft to the abyss and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. Boy, get that picture in your brain. Something's going on, right? What, uh, who, who, the question is, who is the star? What is the identity of the star? I believe if you look at the text, I believe if you look at Revelation, I believe if you look at Scripture, you got to come to one conclusion. The star is Satan. Satan had fell from heaven to earth. Remember that? Uh, he has the key to the shaft of the abyss given to him. He didn't know it, but it was given to him. And he opens the abyss, and out comes the smoke, like smoke from a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke. Now, why do I say that? Well, if you want to write these verses down, please do. I'm going to hit them fast. But Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he makes this statement. He says, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. There you go. Jesus even said that Satan fell from heaven. Okay? Uh, Isaiah 14 is a very popular verse. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, if you're taking notes. This is a very popular passage tucked away in Old Testament prophecy that we base a lot of our understanding on as far as Satan and where he came from and all of that. But in Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says, Shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens. Now, does that sound familiar? A star that fell from heaven. Uh, You destroyer of nations, you have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to Sheol and to the deepest regions of the pit. Now there's a clue. We know that Satan fell from heaven. We know that he was an angel. Uh, We know that he was like a star. And we know that he became a destroyer of nations. Why was he cast down from heaven to earth? 
because he wanted to be greater than God. Okay? He wanted to be, I will ascend. I will set up my throne. I will sit on the mount. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. He wanted to knock God off his throne. And that's, that's why he fell from heaven to earth. In uh, Revelation 12, if we fast forward just a little bit in the book of Revelation, you'll see another glimpse of this truth. It's in Revelation 12, beginning in verse 7. The Bible says, Then war broke out in heaven. Now, think about it. We, we don't think about war in heaven, right? We're worried enough about war on earth. You know, there's rumors of, there's wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said that was one of the signs of the end times would be wars and rumors of wars. And, of course, you hear that even now, right? In 2021, a new year, and guess what? You hear wars and rumors of wars. And then here is heaven. And you go, oh my goodness, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan. Now, I love it when Scripture does, it, does that, don't you? When it identifies something and spells it out in big black letters. I mean, who's the dragon? Who's the serpent? It's the devil. It's Satan. Very clear. Right there it is in Revelation 12, verse 9. The one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say that salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. And it says they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of neat, uh, Corey. You you kind of showed us here where this star that fell from heaven to earth is likely Satan. Well, that's cool, but what about this abyss? What about this keys for the shaft to the abyss and all this smoke? What about all that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, if you remember, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat and they landed on this place where this guy had... Uh, been demon possessed and he had been uh, ostracized from the community he had been he would sleep uh, near the tombs and he would cut himself and he would cry out they called him the demoniac and uh, he comes up to jesus and jesus says in luke 8 verse 30 what is your name jesus asked him and he said legion because many demons had entered him and they referring to the demons begged jesus not to banish them to where the abyss, right there in Luke 8, 31. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside and the demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs and he gave them permission and the demons came out of the man and they entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And I'm so tempted to tell you some corny preacher's jokes, but I'm not going to do it, okay? You can ask me later. <laughs> so we'll keep moving. So here... <clears throat> Here, the demons are saying, don't banish us where? To the abyss. 
And so now you go back and you look at this again. This fifth angel blows his trumpet and it says, I saw a star. Now remember, John is having a vision. So the fifth angel blows his trumpet and he sees a star that had fell from heaven to earth and this key for the shaft to the abyss is given to him and he takes that and he opens the shaft to the abyss and here comes this smoke like a great furnace and everything just turns black. Well, that kind of reminds me of the visual that we see in Genesis 19 when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story. Well, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says in Genesis 19, verse 28, that he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and all the land of the plain, and he saw that smoke was going up from the land like the smoke of a furnace. Okay? So that tells you just the kind of magnitude of the situation. So that is the identity of the star. Well, let's go to the next point piece of this story, and that is the type of plague. Now, as you go through these trumpets, we noticed this, uh, we noticed this, I guess, uh, a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the first four trumpets, that some of the trumpets remind us of some of the plagues that happened during the days of Moses and Israel and Egypt. Uh, there's some connections there. There's some similarities there. Well, you're reminded of another one. There was a locust plague. Um, in, in Egypt. And when the locusts came, they devoured everything. There was no more vegetation anywhere. Uh, this is similar that it's locusts, but it's completely different too. Look, if you will, in Revelation 9, verse 3. Then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth, and power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on the earth. Now, Notice who's in control here, okay? Please don't. I think so many times we look as, I know we would never say this, but I'm afraid because of culture, you know, goes back to Flip Wilson when he used to say the devil made me do it. Goes back to the cartoons where, you know, they're in a moment of temptation and weakness and they look on one shoulder and they have a little devil and they look on the other shoulder and they have a little angel and we're like... <gasps> Which way is it going to go, right? I'm afraid because of culture that many times we, we may not say this out loud, but in our, in our thoughts we might actually think that God and the devil are two heavyweights battling it out. Please understand that God is almighty. There are no other equals, okay? And so when you begin to see God and, and the devil and they begin to have a showdown, if you will, it's no contest, okay? It is no contest. And to emphasize that truth in this passage, notice that the star that fell from heaven to earth, the key for the shaft to the abyss was given to him. He didn't have that right. It was given to him. And in the same way, look at the locust in verse 3. They come out of the smoke and power was given to them. Okay? Notice God's in control here. But power was given to them like the power that scorpions have on earth. And they were told not to harm the grass or the green plants or the trees. Now, you would think that locusts would be focused on vegetation. And normally they would. But these aren't, <clears throat> these to me aren't um, literal locusts. I think he's using analogies here, but that's just my opinion. But he says here 
he says that instead of them going after the grass of the earth or green plants or any tree, that they go to the people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill them. Again, who's in control here? They cannot kill them, but they are allowed to torment them for five months. And it's interesting, why five months? And the best thing I could find on that is the lifespan, if you will, of locust is usually about five months. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So for the duration that they're allowed to exist, all they do is torment people. And their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it stings someone. And it's so bad that in those days people will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Um, notice the locusts come to earth. Power is given to them like that of scorpions. They can't harm vegetation. Instead, they harm people, but not just anybody. People who don't have God's seal on their forehead. And they are allowed to do it for five months. And people want to die, but they can't. Wow, that is misery. Michael Kukendall has this to say. He's the guy that I told you about that uh, taught Revelation for years, and he compiled a, a reference manual, and he defines, he looks at what everybody says and scholars and stuff, and he kind of puts all this information for you. And he says that his definition of what are these locusts is simply this, just to make it simple for you. He says, locusts are demonic beings unleashed from the abyss who wage war upon the wicked inhabitants of the earth. Now, remember what I said at the beginning. Kind of wanted to set this up this way. Remember what Chriswell said in the beginning. He said, we find under the fifth trumpet is nothing other than an outworking of evil when men choose to be servants of Satan and when they wear the lavery of the devil. And so here are people that they don't follow Christ, they don't believe in God, they don't have that seal of God on their forehead, and things are going from bad to worse, and now here comes the devil, he's given the key to the abyss, he opens it. What's in the abyss? Well, remember the demoniac, the demon said, don't send us to the abyss. So I would say that that's a clue that it's probably demons coming out of the abyss. They appear like locusts, but they're not normal locusts because instead of targeting vegetation, what do they do? They target people, but not just any people, people who don't know God. And they torment them for the duration of the time that they're allowed to do it. Uh, they, they can torment them, but they can't kill them. And so that's why I say that. Uh, so locusts are demonic beings unleashed from the abyss who wage war upon the wicked inhabitants of the earth. Um, it's amazing when you read um, other commentaries. You can. Um, I would generally recommend reading commentaries, except when it comes to Revelation. You know why? It's an exercise in futility. You can read uh, one commentary and get two opinions. You can read two commentaries and get five. You can read five commentaries and get 20. If you don't believe me, you try it and you'll see. Um, there are some people that try to see in this locust that perhaps it's, um, I, I read one that said perhaps it's, um, it's um, I forgot how they said it, but they said, you know, the, like a scorpion, the danger part is in the tail. And it said perhaps it's some kind of bummer, you know, or, or some kind of, 
you know, modern day thing. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't think John envisioned that when he wrote this. Uh, there's no way he could have. Uh, so God uses the, the things that we're familiar with, just like Jesus when he taught parables, used, you know, the, the woman baking bread and the farmer sowing seed, used common images to communicate spiritual truths. And so here are locusts, but instead of targeting vegetation, they target uh, people who don't know God. Well, let's go forward. Let's look a little bit more at these locusts. The third thing I want us to look at tonight is the characteristics of the locust. These are not typical locusts, not if they sting like a scorpion, not if they torment you so bad that you want to die. Uh, that's not the kind of locust that you know I've ever seen before. And so in Revelation 9, let's look at verse 7. The appearance of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. Now, I may not have paid attention much in English class years ago, but I do remember similes and metaphors. Now, notice here it says the appearance of the locust was like. Notice that word like. He didn't say they actually were horses. He said the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. Something like, notice the word like, he's going to use it a lot, okay? Because he's trying to describe it as best he can. This is a vision. So he's just trying to describe this to us. So they're like horses prepared for battle. Something like golden crowns were on their heads. Their faces were like human faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. The sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions so that with their tails they had the power to harm people for five months. Did you notice how many times I said like? So he's using imagery that we can picture um, like an iron breastplate. Horses running in battle, uh, a woman's hair, a human face. And he's attaching that to locusts. I've never seen locusts like that before, have you? Me either. Notice that's descriptive language. It was like this and it was like that. And when you read all that together, you're like, I'd never put all that together. You know, I never would. Um, but anyway, uh, that's what he says. Now, to give you an idea, this reminds me of Joel, the prophet Joel. In uh, Joel, the prophet, chapter 1, he opens his letter of prophecy with these words. In Joel, chapter 1, verse 2, he, he says, Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children the next generation what the devouring locust has left. The swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the young locust has eaten. And what the young locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. He was warning people of judgment. He was comparing it to locust. And he was saying when the locust came, by the time they went on by, there was nothing, absolutely nothing left. And now we're looking at that 
and we're moving it forward into the future, reading here Revelation, and I'm going, I can't imagine. This has got to be a... I mean, the end comes at the seventh trumpet. Just spoiler alert, it does. And now we're on the fifth trumpet. So, you know, it's getting pretty hot in the kitchen, you might say. And so uh, G.K. Beale said this. He said, The combination of an army of horses who devour the land and serpents who bite occurs in Jeremiah 8, verses 16 through 17. Now, I'm not going to read that. You can look it up if you want to. Uh, but this guy was looking at the imagery in Revelation, and he's saying, hmm, there is, a, there is a verse tucked away in Jeremiah. It talks about horses, talks about serpents. And he says that picture is similar to John's combination here of horse-like locusts and scorpions who sting. Okay, remember he keeps saying like, 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 like. So he's kind of putting that together. And in both, in both passages, he says, in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 2, leading up to that, in Revelation 9, 20, in both passages, the judgment comes on idolaters. In other words, it comes on wicked people who worship idols and not the true and living God. And so, very interesting there. Now, the fourth thing that I want us to look at is the nature of the king of the locust. Look, if you will, there in verse 11, Revelation 9, 11. They, referring to the locust, had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the name Apollyon. The first woe has passed, there are still two more woes to come after this. And that's a spoiler alert too. In other words, you think this is bad. It gets worse. Uh, there are three woes coming. If you go back to the end of Revelation 8, after that fourth trumpet, in verse 13, he says, I looked and heard an eagle flying high overhead, crying out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blasts that the three angels are about to sound. And after the next trumpet blast, he says, well, the first woe's passed, but there's still two more. In other words, it's going to get worse. But um, I like what William Hendrickson said. He says the entire symbolic picture, okay, you can go back and you can read this passage again and just try to visualize use your mind's eye because he's painting pictures here okay so let the holy spirit guide your imagination on this and instead of trying to figure out all the details just look at the picture G get the picture you know focus on the the headline and not all the details and uh, he says uh, the entire symbolic picture emphasizes this one idea terror and destruction, for that is Satan's work. And so, that's what's happening here. Um, it's, uh, it's just, I, I guess it's just kind of ironic to me, you know, that here are these people who don't know God, and uh, they, uh, I guess they think they can do what they want, but then, you know, God allows Satan to send his demons to torment them, and they get more than they bargained for. You know, Jesus said in John 10.10, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come 
that they may have life and have it in abundance. And that's so true. So let me give you some thoughts here very quickly. This won't take long. I'm going to give you four things to think about, and this is going to be rapid fire, so get ready. But what lessons can we learn from this, uh, from this event, the fifth trumpet? What can we learn? Well, very simply, number one, God's in control. I emphasized that as we were going through it. Uh, the star that fell from heaven that's given the key to the abyss, it says that the key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. Well, who gave it to him? God did. God's in control. These locusts that come out of the smoke from the abyss, uh, they, had the, they, were, it, they had power given to them, verse 3, uh, like that of scorpions on earth. Uh, the power that they had was given to them. So please understand that God is in control. There's no one greater than God here. Uh, the second thing I want you to realize is that believers are sealed. Now, regardless of what you believe about uh, the church and the tribulation, the bottom line is this. When this happens, it's not for believers. It's very clear that uh, they are targeting people but according to verse 4, it's only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. Okay, So believers are sealed. And then that leads into the third point, idolaters will be tormented. You know, I look at it this way. Whenever this happens, I think God is shaking things up so that before He comes and when He comes, there is no fence-sitters. You know what I'm talking about. There are people in life that they don't want to be committal to anything. Uh, you put them in a corner, maybe yes, maybe no, I'm not sure. I need to think about it, you know. And, and there are fence riders. They want to kind of ride the fence, you know. And when it gets a little hot, they'll lean this way. And when it gets a little cold, they'll lean this way. But can I tell you that before Christ comes back, there's not going to be any more fence riders, okay? There's just not. There's going to be people that either have the seal of God on their forehead or they're going to have the mark of the beast. And here, idolaters will be tormented. And then, of course, the last lesson we can learn from all this is Satan is the destroyer. Uh, who is doing all the destruction here? These locusts. Um, who is over them? According to verse 11, he is a king. He is an angel. He's from the abyss himself. His name is Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek. Who do you think that really is? It's Satan. It's the devil. He's always been the father of lies. He's always been the great deceiver. He's always been the accuser of the, of the brethren. And he's always been the destroyer, the thief, the killer. That's who he is. That's his nature. That's all he ever does. Satan is the destroyer. With all that said... What's the takeaway? Well, whenever this comes, if we wait till then, it could be too late. I don't want to be uh, there when all this goes down to you. Uh, I don't want to be on the wrong side of, of God when this goes down either. So have you made a decision to trust and follow Jesus? Um, do you have uh, God in your life? Do you know that you do? Uh, let me give you one more Bible verse, and I really like this one. It's found in 2 Timothy 2.19. Paul is talking to a young pastor. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, here's what he declares. He says, Nevertheless, 
God's solid foundation stands firm and it bears this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Can I tell you something? You may not know who's saved, and I may not know who's saved, but can I tell you something? God does. Aren't you glad He does? And when this happens, uh, because He gives them power to do what they're going to do, they know who belongs to God and who doesn't. They can see the seal of God on someone's forehead, and if they don't see it, then they know, hey, there's my target. God's foundation stands firm. And the inscription says, God knows those who are His. The responsibility to us, let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. You know, we need to look at our profession of faith. Anybody, and it pains me to say this, but I'm going to say it, and I think you would understand it because you've seen it and I've seen it through the years. Anybody can walk down an aisle and they can make a profession of faith in Jesus. And they can get dunked in a tank and they can join a church and have their name on a roll and say, I think I'm okay now. If that's what you're basing it on, you missed it. Ultimately, when you come to know Christ, all those things can still happen, but instead of being a professor, you are a possessor. Instead of claiming to know God, you now have the Holy Spirit inside of you that bears witness that you are a child of God. And so, just like Paul told the church in Corinth, Examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith. And how do you know? Is Christ in you? How do you know you're saved? You know, that is the, that's the one thing I want you to get from this. The most important question you could ever answer in your life, period, is are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And you might say, how do I know? How can I know? Well, is Christ in you? It's 2 Corinthians 13.5 if you want to look it up. That's where Paul says about, he talks about passing the test. Examine yourselves to see whether or not you're in the faith unless you fail to pass the test. And what is the test? Is Christ in you? It's a simple question. It's not do you go to church. It's not do you read your Bible and pray. It's not do you remember a time when this happened or that happened. Is Christ in you? Okay? Is Christ in you? If Christ is in you, then guess what? You're in Christ. But if Christ is not in you, then you've really got to get to the bottom of all that. And so my prayer tonight is that you would examine yourself to see whether or not Christ is in your life. If He is, praise God, thank Him for it. Thank Him for the salvation that He purchased for you. But if you can honestly say, Corey, I don't know. Uh, can I just tell you that if that's your answer, I don't know, then let me tell you how you can know. It's, it's right here in this last verse I read, 2 Timothy 2.19. Let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. That's what you got to do. you got to call upon the name of the Lord, turn away from your sin, and trust and follow Jesus. And if you're willing to do that, then guess what? Romans 10, 13 applies. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. That's God's word to you and to me. He didn't say you might be or you could be. He says you will be. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so tonight I want to, um, 
lead you in a prayer, not so much those that are here, but maybe someone that's watching tonight. Uh, and that is simply this. You need to call on the name of the Lord and ask Him to save you. He, he, will, he will take you in. He'll receive you. He'll never turn you away. You just simply have to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I need to be saved and I believe you are the Savior who came and lived and died on the cross for my sins so that I could be saved. And so Lord, I'm turning from my life of sin and I want to trust and follow you. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again on the third day. And Lord, I want to give my life to you and I want to trust and follow you. In Jesus' name, when you cry out to God, when you call upon his name and you trust him and you begin to follow him, you'll see him make a difference in your life that no one else or nothing else could ever do. And can, let me tell you this, this is the most important question you can ever answer is, am I really saved? And you know what? When you think about the future and how it's all going to look someday when it all goes down, there will be a difference between the righteous and the wicked. God always distinguishes the righteous from the wicked. Well, I just want to encourage you tonight to remember these words and, and just pray for your loved ones and those that don't know Christ. Pray that they might come to know Him before it's everlasting too late. Well, let's pray. Father, thank You for this time in Your Word tonight. Lord, I pray that You've captured our imaginations. And Lord, I pray that You've touched our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we look at Revelation, as we look at the seven churches that you wrote to, as we look at the seven seals that are now broken and the scroll is rolled out plain to see, as the trumpets are blown, Lord, help us to realize that you're in control of this world and history is your story. And Lord, we want to be ready for your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.